This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Well, how are you doing, Bulls fans? We can finally name names. Two names, Alex and Golish, actually a little bit more on the new head football coach of the Bulls here shortly, and then plenty more at a press conference that we'll have. In fact, we have our first airing of Bulls Beat a little bit earlier today so that we can give you the full three-hour block and then set you up for live press conference coverage. We will also, on this show, besides telling you a little bit about the coach and letting you hear some of his introductory address to the team, which was pretty cool behind-the-scenes video supplied by the USF Football Twitter page, we will let you hear plenty of highlights from a great Friday night in basketball, a thrilling victory, a huge victory, that I didn't think was going to be, I mean, it was a lot of things, but I didn't think it was going to be the thing that put the Bulls in the top 25. But because of what went on elsewhere, and we'll explain that for you here shortly, uh, maybe the Bulls get ranked, but they are definitely not going to be playing until next Sunday, another big game, as this is exams week. It's also football coach get-to-know week, and we'll get to know him today, I'm sure. Not just more about his upbringing, but also what he plans to do. I'll be curious if he's going to hire a full-on offensive coordinator or if he's going to go ahead and just take care of that himself because he was pretty good in that role for the number one offense in the country. And, you know, I love the Sun Belt, but this was not the Sun Belt that he was coaching the number one offense in the country. It was the SEC, and it was Tennessee. Unbelievable. I mean, the one thing that jumps out among many, when you hear number one in the country, and you no, of course, Josh Heupel, the coach, kind of brought that up-tempo style with him from UCF, but now that obviously is going to be the style that the Bulls employ. But to average more than 300 yards passing a game and 200 yards rushing a game is just amazing. He was one of the five finalists for the Broyles Award, which goes to the top assistant in college football, and that'll be given out tomorrow, by the way. So we could have the Broyles Award winner, among other things, in Alex Golish before Tennessee, which... If you don't remember, wasn't exactly flourishing offensively before the last couple of seasons. They were 108th in the country the year before Golas showed up, then went to seventh two seasons ago, and first this year. Yes, definitely should mention, and I'm sure this will get brought up, the year he spent with Heupel as the offensive coordinator at UCF, where they were second in the country in total offense, 568 yards per game and fourth in passing offense, 357. So the not just production, but the turnaround is there. Again, those were his three seasons as offensive coordinator, top 10 offenses in the country. Before that, four seasons at Iowa State, again, a program that was not winning before he came there and ended up as he was their top recruiter, their recruiting coordinator, as he was at Tennessee. That's no small thing, by the way, getting people to come to an SEC program that was you know, middle to bottom, and now is a team that was number one in the country actually by ranking for a brief spell this year ends up in seventh spot in the final rankings, by the way. But back to Iowa State, three and nine the year before, bowl games all four years he was there, including his last year there, a nine and three Fiesta Bowl team. Before all that, worked as a grad assistant coach for three years, Northern Illinois and Oklahoma State actually worked with the outside linebackers at OSU, showing that he knows a little bit about both sides of the ball before becoming the offensive guy. And started off where he attended college, at Ohio State. And just to throw in, the one year he worked as a coach there, 2005, they won the 
Big Ten championship and played in the Fiesta Bowl beating Notre Dame. Born in Moscow, Russia, but grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Also spent some time in Ohio and again at Ohio State. Married to Alexis, that's right, Alex and Alexis. And they have a son and a daughter, Barrett and Corbin. And also a really cute dog. Really cute photo put out actually of the family by the USF Football Twitter page overnight. And actually this morning, a shot of he and Michael Kelly in the indoor performance facility. Speaking of the USF Football Twitter page, we'll give you, in case you didn't pull it up, the entire little portion, at least edited version of the speech that he gave to his team. This would have been on Sunday morning. Blessed to be standing in front of you today. It is, um, it is so humbling to come to a program like this that is right on the cusp, man, of of doing incredible things in college football. For me, my journey is similar to a lot of you. I've looked at every single guy sitting in this room. I recruited some of you guys. My journey ain't a whole lot different than a lot of you guys. I'm the son of immigrants. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York without any, without a whole lot of anything. And all I wanted to do was play ball and be like one of you guys sitting in the chair. I've had some incredible mentors, people that got me into this profession. I'm a teacher by trade, special ed teacher by trade. Thought I was gonna coach and teach high school ball. I think what's gotten me to this point is the fact that I care about young people. In this, in this whole day and age of college football, and you guys know it's crazy right now, still comes down to helping you guys become the best versions of yourself every single day, loving you guys like crazy, trusting you guys to go get it, and giving you every single tool known to man to go be successful. In terms of how it's gonna roll, it's gonna be a partnership. It's gonna be a really, really positive environment, but it's gonna be a demanding one. We gotta climb the ladder, man. We gotta climb the ladder of college football. We gotta climb the ladder of American conference football. And at the end of the day, we gotta be as good as we can, be as fast as we can get there. There won't be shortcuts, there aren't shortcuts in life. And I just told you, my journey ain't had no shortcuts. But what I'm gonna promise you is this, I'm gonna work harder than anybody in the country. We're gonna surround you with a, a group of men and women they're gonna work harder than anybody in the country to give you every single imaginable tool to be successful. I will serve you, I'll give you everything I got. You know, I just gave you all the coaching accolades and the numbers and the offensive prowess, but that seems like something that uh, we also have to realize that Marcus Freeman, for example, the head coach at Notre Dame says, he was fortunate to see Alex from a player and coach's perspective. He has an unbelievable ability to maximize every individual he comes into contact with. That is a result of his ability to earn their trust, and because he is a man of character, Alex will do a great job building the program at South Florida. The head coach at Iowa State, Matt Campbell, called Golish a gifted leader of people. He is articulate, smart, charismatic, and he most importantly cares about the lives of his players. Alex and his amazing family will be great ambassadors and leaders for USF. Michael Kelly himself says he's a dynamic coach and recruiter who is relentless in pursuit of excellence. 
and also happens to be one of the most creative and successful offensive minds in college football. Yes, I know there were bigger names out there. Deion Sanders, of course, ends up at Colorado. But I don't know. Something tells me that even though one name might have been a splash, let's be honest, you think Deion Sanders would have been digging in for the long haul at USF? Maybe. But something tells me this is going to be a fun time for USF football now. It's going to be a different team as more players enter the transfer portal. Even though I did like the Gary Bohannon Rockets shooting off sort of social media release like we're about to blast off with this offense kind of thing. But we already told you about Jimmy Horn Jr. and Antonio Greer leaving. But now it looks like also another offensive player, Omarion Dollison and Spencer Schrader, the kicker, announced that they'll be heading to the transfer portal. So it's going to be a brand new batch of names, but fun to follow, if you ask me. I mentioned Deion Sanders. He was tied to Cincinnati briefly. Of course, he played baseball there. And also, Golish was mentioned as a candidate for Cincinnati. It looks like Louisville's head coach, Scott Satterfield, is going to be the Bearcats' new head coach, which is more than a little interesting because those teams are playing each other in the Fenway Bowl on December 17th. But December 4th, the official date that Alex Golish was named the sixth head football coach in USF history, and December 5th, the next morning, will be when you can hear his first public comments, and you can hear them live on USF Bowls Unlimited. Not just right here on the TuneIn app if you're listening, but I would go ahead and just favorite. Make this page one of your favorites. And tell your friends about USF Bulls Unlimited, won't you? Incidentally, you can be there. It is open to the public. It is a big building. The Sam and Martha Gibbons Alumni Center, right there off of USF Alumni Drive. I'll be getting there early and setting up in the back so that we can make sure to carry the audio live for you. We had a great Friday night of basketball. Games were going on at the same time, and they were both very entertaining. And one was very dramatic, and one was just, well, filled with three-point shots, dropping some great sound bites from Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston. You'll also hear from Brian Gregory on that 20-point victory for the men's team against Charleston Southern. And, yes, I got a little excited as well calling the women's action at Texas. Highlights of a dramatic Friday night. Coming your way next on Bulls Beat. This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. The women going to Texas, of course, having lost their last two games, both against top 25 teams, albeit, but you could only, if you were thinking on the, what is the worst case scenario side, look at a possible losing streak because the next two games, true road games, at two outstanding teams, Texas and NC State, and on Friday night against a Texas team that, again, was 3-3 three and three, but had been playing without its Big 12 freshman of the year last year and its point guard, Rory Harmon. And you could see that the offense went through her. In fact, the Bulls had to make a defensive switch after just a few possessions to try and slow her down as the Bulls fell behind 16-10. to 10. The defense upped, and in a hostile environment, the offense upped here the first quarter, at least the Last half of the first quarter highlights. Oh, great outlet pass by Asensio to Janecki, and the Bulls have gotten up the court. Janecki is looking very comfortable tonight. Tell Ellens to take Gonzalez, puts it up and in. They wanted the foul call, didn't get it, but Elena Janecki is off to a great start. She's got six points. The other way, oh, Quisis is drifting, trailing for the three, looks good, it is. You can see that develop the whole way. Dulcie underneath, nice bounce pass, fake, and one! That is beautiful right there. They dump it to Gaston, they're trying to force fouls on Dulcie. That's good defense, and she gets a rebound. Dulcie is playing great right now, third board. 
Precis wants to pull, but they get back on her. Now drives for a long two. That's a beautiful shot right there. Boy, the pools are firing right now above 60%. They would lead at the end of the first 23-18. A lot of fast break buckets. They were running every time they had a chance. That number ended up being 24-11, favor of the Bulls as far as fast break points. Second quarter, and yes, it started to get a little intense. I'm not going to hide from the fact that uh, the officiating and the flopping and my reactions were, I think, appropriate, but maybe over the top at times. Either way, the three-pointers started to flow for the Bulls, and the lead grew to double figures. Now Chinecki over to Puisis, wide open for three. Looks good, and it is. Queen for three. That was the Bulls' first made three. Again, the other one was a long two, but... What matters is Puisis is in rhythm. Now Puisis has the defender falls down, a wide open three, and it's good. Boy, I don't know exactly what Aaliyah Moore was doing out there, but it wasn't playing defense. Takes the three long two. They'll let her have that, and it's no good. Rebound comes to Wilson. Now she has Harmon on her. She's going to try and drive around. That is a flop in a half. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Is she going to live? She absolutely started to fall down before there was contact, and I'm pretty sure she wasn't touched. They'll show the replay. Oh, man. She's a great player, don't get me wrong. But man, oh, man, was that a flop. If you've been watching the World Cup, you'd be jealous. And over to the left side for a three. Rattles in by Sammy Puisis. Three in a row for Pui, and it's 34-25. There's a foul line jumper, which they'll let Moore have all day long. She misses it. Bulls want to get it up to... Puises, but Brito gets the ball instead. Drives to the basket. Oh, what a move by Brito. And the Bulls force a timeout on the other side. So after the flop, the ball don't lie. It's 36-25, USF on top. Puises gets marked by Holly. Almost throws it away to Brito. She's got a wide open three. She can hit that shot. Boom! Carla Brito knocks it down. And the Bulls are hitting from distance after not being able to make much early in the game. Guided by Puy up until that one. They're now four for seven, and it's 39-28. They're really trying to get the ball into the hands of Harmon. She has it on the left side now. Steps back for another three, and she wants it. Rory Harmon, I don't know if they told her during the timeout to start shooting threes, but she is. Now the Bulls back up by eight with 2.20 to go. What a fighter Rory Harmon is. Boy, they're trying to run Puisis off the screen. Rito sets it, but she can't shake loose. Now five, Dulcie flashes. Tried to get inside. Oh, what a catch by Fanka Mangiato, and she misses the layup. Boy, that was a great catch. Texas fans are applauding the defense. There was no defense there. Harmon over to Moore. Left side by Gonzalez. Rims out. Dulcie can't get the board. Holly gets the rebound, puts it up, misses. Texas is out dueling the Bulls right now. Another miss as Moore got too far underneath the basket. Texas fans want a foul, I guess, on the rim. Open three. What do you want there? Pui for three, 42-31. They wanted a foul called against the rim for blocking your shot, and Puisis knocks it down her fourth made three, and it's 42-31. So as for the first flop and the Puisis last three, I put out videos of both at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P, the Longhorn Network had the video, and they did a great job, by the way. Puisis had 18 points in the first half. On her last three, you can see a couple things. Everyone in the lower left part of your pitcher, Longhorns fans, pointing to Puisis, knowing she was going to get the ball. And the two players at the far side of the Texas bench both pointing to Puisis. And before she shot the ball, they went from standing to sitting down because they knew the ball was going in. That's what the Bulls have in Sammy Puisis. And she had 18 points in the first half. Elena Chinecki came to play. 
Five of seven, the Bulls shot nearly 60% in the first half and led it 42-33. And yes, I put video of that Harmon flop, which I have dubbed the mummy move. Let's fold those arms up and stiff as a board. Third quarter, not nearly as productive for the Bulls as they only went five for 12. They turned the ball over 10 times in the quarter, and yet because Texas just could not hit enough of its chances from the floor, went six for 19 on its own and did not hit any threes while the Bulls hit just a couple, it was still USF on top heading into the fourth quarter. But the lack of ability to hang on to the ball, along with lack of ability to get defensive rebounds, eventually led to Texas taking the lead. Then the back and forth began. Enjoy the wild back and forth and eventual victory for the Bulls. Ariel Wilson dribbling the basketball, gets poked away, and that'll be a fast break lead for Texas, 57-56. Shaylee Gonzalez absolutely picked her pocket. Carla Brito getting set to check back in for the Bulls. They want to know how many timeouts they have on the Bulls' sideline. They almost turned it over again, by the way. Chinecki wide open to Puisis for three, looks off, and it is. What a battle by Chinecki to get the board and reset here. Brito wide open for three, passes on it. Now to Chinecki, wants to drive. Sammy wants it. Long two, looks good, and it is. Sammy Puisis knocks it down. She's got 23 points. She called for that ball, and the floating jump shot puts the Bulls back on top with 540 left. They're going to get the ball in the hands of Moore with Brito. She's got the size advantage. Good defense by Dulce. Missed shot. Easy rebound and put back. Offensive rebound, 17. That was almost like a pass off the glass. Two balls went to Moore, who's been great, and Gaston was unguarded, 59-58. It was definitely a volleyball play. That's a better catch by Dulce, and she makes the layup. Nice find by Ariel. And thank you, Mangiad, who makes no mistake there. She's got 11 points, and the Bulls are back on top, 60-59. to With Puisis out on more than the letter half of the three, 10 on the shot clock. Harmon Chinecki jumps out on her far from the basket. Gonzalez fakes the three, drives in, puts up a floater and in. Shaylee Gonzalez was the All-West Coast Conference Player of the Year last year and hasn't taken over at Texas yet, but she's starting to show up now. We've got four key points here. Texas back on top, 61-60 with four and a half minutes to go. Wilson looking for the play call. She can't hear it, so she has to look. She almost got swiped. Oh, Chinecki's got Puisis open, can't find her. Now Elena wants to get it out to Brito. 10 on the shot, far from the basket. Brito looks for a screen. More good defense on her. Brito needs help with five on the shot clock. To Dulce, wants to drive in. That's a big shot, fail, and one! What a move by Dulce Fankamengiadu. Pressure free throw, no good. Stays a one-point lead for the Bulls. Four minutes left in this incredible game. Pace has picked up. Both teams have made their last combined seven shots. Corner to Holly, drives on Brito. Oh, Puisis misses on the steal attempt, and Gaston gets the basket. Gaston now at 14 points, leading the team. And that's a, oh my goodness! Right in front of me, if you didn't hear, Chinecki got pushed to the deck, but that's a turnover. Odell's okay. Tough move by Moore, nice pass underneath to Muhammad. She can't quite handle the ball. Bad shot, Chinecki gets the rebound. Bulls with a chance to retake the lead with three minutes to go. Oh, Puises on the left corner, wanting the ball. Chinecki wants to drive and kick it out to Puises instead. Pulls up, what a shot by L. That was a step back, drive, Holly. Short arms it, but Texas gets the rebound with Moore. Block shot by Dulce and Chinecki with the rebound. Wants to run, she's got Harmon on her. Euro step, no call, and the Bulls can't get the rebound. Two minutes to go. That's a wild shot. She goes to the deck again. 
but Texas gets the board. Five on the shot clock. They're far from the basket. Three on the shot clock. More. Better have it from there. That's a wild shot. No good. 30 second shot clock violation. Now 10 on the shot clock, 110 on the game. Looks to drive it. Lane opens up and in. Elena Chinecki. Hesitation dribble. And the Bulls have a three point lead. 66 63. More. Oh, almost traveled. Up to Dawson. Layup up and in. They don't call a timeout. 52 seconds left. Bulls still on top. 66 65. Brees is trying to fight through screens, can't get to the ball. Dulce sets a screen top of the key. Brito free, sends it over to Ariel Wilson, whips it around to Priestess right side, drives for a baseline jumper and knocks it down. What a clutch shot by Sammy Priestess. 25 seconds left. Pulls up by three, 68-65. Do they try and get it to Morris for a tying three here? Or do they try and get a quick two? 16 seconds, far from the basket. They're setting him a play. There's Morris off the screen. Can't get free of poor. Pusis, ball thrown away. Chinecki has it, 10 seconds to go, and she's fouled. They're going to try and make some noise here. Hopefully the Bulls bench is about to. No Bulls in the lane. First shot. It's good. Elena Chinecki. And again, Texas cannot advance the ball. Geometrically, this one is pretty much done. She makes the second. It's 70 to 65. They get it to Harmon. Jose just said no foul. They're just not going to have enough time. Harmon's going to drive the lane. She can flop all she wants now. What a huge win for the USF Bulls. Coming into the heart of Texas and taking down the Longhorns. Simply incredible. Final score 70 to 65. Chenecki with 22 points. Puisis with 25. She went dormant as far as scoring goes for a while, but then just clutch shots, one of the ball. I was there. It was an intense atmosphere. Dulce Fankamengiati, 13 points, 10 rebounds. Ariel Wilson was a point guard, did not attempt a shot, but had five assists, improved her defense, played through some pain. Carla Brito, seven points, four rebounds. And, folks, that was about it. Danny Gonzalez came off the bench, turned her ankle in the second quarter, thought that was it for her, actually came back and hit a big three late in the third quarter. But again, the Bulls didn't get much playing time off the bench. That is going to be something that Jose Fernandez hopes to see change. But if it doesn't, they're going to keep going with the main six right now. It's a pretty solid six. Now, Texas was ranked 22nd, and a lot of teams near the bottom of the top 25 all lost. Granted, Gonzaga was too highly ranked Stanford, but Villanova got beat. Marquette got beat. It's possible the Bulls could find themselves in the top 25 today. But if not, A, they'll be very close to it, and B, they will definitely be in the top 25 in next Monday's rankings if they win their next game because it's at NC State. Now, the men's basketball team had a fun one against Charleston Southern. Crazy that it didn't start off very well. The Bulls were behind 6-2 to two through the first four minutes or so. But Sam Hines Jr. hit a three in the first half, and Tyler Harris would proceed to put on a show. Swinging around on the perimeter, Tyler Harris loads up a three right side. Yes, indeed, Tyler Harris gets his first, and the Bulls have an 8-6 to six lead. That shot was money in the right side of the circle. Tyler between the legs a couple times. Hesitation, now picks up his dribble. Finds Sam Hines, 12 on the shot clock. Sam kicks it back out to Harris. He'll load up a three right side. Yes! Splash down for number two. He dials it up from long distance, and he's got six tonight. These players are going to need a little oxygen after this uh, little flurry. Harris finds Sorrell Smith, makes a ball fake. Back to Harris at the top. Loads up a three. He's been good today. He's good again. He got another. Tyler Harris has three. Tyler about as hot as we've seen him in a USF uniform. Puts the Bulls up 18-14. Midway through the first half. The inbound. That was the sixth foul, by the way, on Charleston Southern. Harris, left side three. Yeah, he got another one. 
He's got four in the first half. Well, the Bulls have hiked this lead up to 15 points. Well, that stops her skid of one for their last nine, and it's back to a 10-point game. Harris on the far sideline with it. Appears to be moving just fine. Conwell, left wing, gets a high screen. Now to Harris. He's going to load up another long three. Oh, my goodness gracious. Tyler Harris, string music. He has missile lock right now. Somebody call the fire department. It was a great night. Those guys had some great lines. Tries to step through, kicks in the corner. Five on the shot clock. Sherelle Smith launches a three. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. A high archer that scraped the ceiling. And Sorrell Smith hits nothing but the bottom of the net. Jim, the Bulls have made 12 three-point shots tonight. 12 of 23. That's 52.2%. What are we seeing here? Bulls looking to run. Trey Moss with 8.11 to go. Back to the top to Walker. Swings around to Keyshawn Bryant. He's going to fire a three. He's going to hit a three. Who wants one tonight? <laughs> We've seen the Buccaneers get blown out in this town before, but not Charleston Southern. You want to talk about shooting being contagious. Tyler Harris did not make another three, and yet the team went 8 for 16 in the second half. Two each for Jameer Chaplin and Sorrell Smith. Good to see him back on the scene. Tally it all up, and the Bulls tied a program record for made threes with 14 of them. They win by 20, and by the way, that was a little misleading because they were ahead by 29 with eight minutes to go after that incredible run of three, 72 to 43. It was 77 to 50 with three and a half minutes to go. Bulls only hit one of their last seven shots, but you know what? They made plenty enough for their third victory of the season. Harris ended up with exactly 15 points. Jameer Chaplin and Russ Chiwa with 14 each. Chiwa, by the way, 6 for 6 from the free throw line. Good to see. Ryan Conwell only scored 5 but had 8 assists. Not bad, freshman. And the Bulls nearly shot 50%. In fact, were above 50 until finishing 1 for 7. The other team, 2 for 18 on 3. So good to see it the other way around. Amazing how the score looks better when that happened. That's going to wrap it up for Bulls Beat.